0: Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to DAO Talks. I'm David Kiefer from DAO. We have two guests today. So double the fun. I hope you're ready for a nice, fun talk about legal strategies for DAOs, right? Uh, DAOs, of course, are decentralized autonomous organizations. But as part of being in any sort of organization, there's always legal strategies to consider, legal issues to consider. So we have two people today. Joining us, one is a community member who submitted a proposal about legal structures for Dengxi Dao And another is an attorney who is uh, very knowledgeable about law and crypto and DAOs. So I would love to hear from both of them. Uh, let's have them introduce themselves real quickly. Uh, Taras is the one who submitted the proposal. Taras, could you tell uh, everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Hello, community. I am a Kyiv-based uh, legal professional. I'm working in Web3, crypto and blockchain spheres, but here I'm representing myself as, I suppose, more community member, uh, because I think that we are on that point where we very need this, you know, legal strategy and we should implement it uh, as soon as possible.
0: Thank you, Taras. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot with you, uh, but first, let I would love for Reena for to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her as well.
2: Hello. Um, thank you very much for having me. Uh, my name is Irina Hever. I'm a partner in an international law firm headquartered in London. We look after basically 60 plus jurisdictions and my practice focuses on emerging technology, blockchain and crypto. Of course, I'm a crypto lawyer based in Dubai and Switzerland, I'm in Switzerland right now. And um, in Dubai, um, our law firm uh, is native crypto law firm. We've been advising government regulators and entrepreneurs since 2016. This is how uh, deep um, we are involved in crypto and all the matters. Currently, we're representing several governments, uh, and one of the coolest initiatives is advising a couple of governments on structuring DAOs, and they would like to copy what Switzerland has done. I'm sure you know that um, uh, Ethereum Foundation has been set up here in Switzerland in Crypto Valley back in, oh, if the memory doesn't, uh, if memory serves me well, back in 2016 or 15. I'll double check that. So, um, And since then, um, FINMA, the Swiss regulator, has done a lot of really cool sort of progressive work in the space, which allowed Swiss Crypto Valley to flourish and attract so many amazing companies and so many amazing people. So there are several regulators out there in the world who would like to replicate to the extent possible, of course, because national laws always take precedence. Uh, over specific laws to replicate that in their native jurisdictions and compete with switzerland which is great Uh, more competition out there from progressive governments more progressive work from cool governments make the life of you know projects like yours and make the life of entrepreneurs much better and much easier so i'm all for uh competition amongst governments to make it uh better for all of us who are working and building in the crypto space
0: Totally, it's definitely better to be compliant with laws rather than dealing with them afterwards. And I could tell Irina is extremely knowledgeable. I didn't even know here in Foundation the Foundation was set up in Switzerland. Uh, we're definitely going to dive more into all of the legalities and legal considerations here today as much as we can. But before we get too deep into it, I would love to ask Taras to describe uh, the proposal, kind of give us a top level overview of what it's all about. Uh, of course, everyone can find that uh, in the Daxi Dao uh, forum and comment on it and participate in the governance. But before uh, you know, we get there, it would be really good to know what's it
1: all about. You know? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Once again, uh, so some background information. Uh, you know, when I placed my proposal, I can't even imagine that there will be such you no know, amount of attention from community, from community members. And it's good to really speaking because all of us could see these you know last regulatory actions against uh many famous uh crypto projects like Luna, like Ripple and so on and so forth. These projects <clears throat> didn't care about their legal strategy and I suppose that we, at that point of time where we should care because from, uh, one side, we have, uh, permanently growing community, permanently growing protocol, and we should implement some, you know, off chain instruments to cope with some matters and issues with which we can't cope on the on chain level, for example, just very simple example. If we give someone grant who will claim money back if uh grantee will, for example, breach the uh grant agreement. Just as an example. And there are, you know, many, many, many uh off chain matters with which we should uh cope as for now. Uh you know what on, on this stage of our project development. On the other side, uh, the other, you know, ground for my proposal was this, you know, growing and growing and growing regulatory pressure on the, uh, Web3 and uh, blockchain projects throughout the world. You may uh, see all these, um, for example, SEC actions again, uh, Terra where they use some Twitter posts where they, you know, accused some, uh, community members and so on and so forth. That's why I understand that we need some, uh, legal entity or some, you know, entity, which will limit liability of our, uh, community members, uh, and which will, uh, handle with all these of chain matters uh on behalf of the uh on behalf of all the community members. And I suppose, and this is my just personal feeling that uh Swiss Association will be the best for our purposes because this instrument will give us uh flexibility and will give us possibility to connect uh, to connect our own chain governance, which is developing from day to day with, uh, sort of our own chain governance, which is developing from day to day with our off chain, you know, uh, now legal wrapper. Uh, after this, I have connected my colleague Irina and she provided me with, provided me with preliminary consultation with respect to this and as a result of these sections my proposal uh, was drafted and published something like this
0: amazing and this feeling that you expressed of of being surprised at how many people you know this resonated with and and how much attention it got i've seen this in 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 several daos being myself a member of several daos how people don't even realize how much power they have, how much importance they have, how much freedom to participate they have, right? You don't need uh, Vitalik, you know, to to top down decide something or propose something. You don't need Elon Musk or whoever, you know, Sharon Powell or whatever. Uh, Any, really, any member can propose something amazing and then the community can pick it up. So I love seeing it in action. As a DAO member, I really get and appreciate what you're doing. Uh, So thanks for that. Uh, Just as a member of the DAO myself. Uh, I wonder, and this may be a question more for Irina, but, um, you know, we're talking about, of course, having a legal basis for the DAOs to, on top of the DAO internal code, to have a sort of legal wrapper. But from the legal perspective, uh, I guess, Irina, can you talk a bit about uh, why it's needed? Uh, What are the different things to consider as an attorney, as someone who knows uh, various legal ramifications to deal with?
2: Sure. So, um, first of all, I would like to applaud Taras for being a proactive member of the of the DAO. And this is what DAO is all about. Each member brings his and her or her own strengths. And and when you see something, it's like when you see something is is not up with the DAO and just say it, right? Put in a proposal. And that's how that's the beauty of uh, being a part of a DAO rather than working for a company where there is a strong structure. And you sort of can only talk to your boss and the boss talks to the boss, et cetera, et cetera. And by the time... You talk to the main boss, I mean, um, you could just as well forget about doing anything. So, first of all, I'd like to applaud you for taking a proactive stance in looking after yourself and your DAO. I mean, that's how it should be. But before we start talking about um, the legal ramifications of DAO, what is a DAO and what is not a DAO, let's talk a little bit about history, if I may, please. You know, just a uh, two-minute little history lesson.
0: Absolutely, of course.
2: Yeah. So, if we... um, So the uh, current structures, the current legal structures of um, a limited liability company, LLCs, and uh, we have LLCs all over jurisdictions, sometimes they're called slightly different, but the idea is limited liability company, right, LLC. This notion of LLCs is only 45 years old, literally. In 1977, Wyoming, um, it's a state in the US, first, first introduced an LLC structure. And now, when uh, you deal with the regulators, you deal with the real world, if you don't have an LLC or any other sort of socially acceptable or legally acceptable structure, then they freak out, right? You cannot open a bank account unless you're properly structured uh, legal entity. You cannot enter into contracts. You cannot hire people. You cannot fire people. You cannot bring actions against uh, evil people who are trying to, for example, I don't know, tank your DAO, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the LLC structure is only forty-five years old, Uh, and we all act—or sorry, not us, but the governments—act like it's the only thing ever available. And when we come up with DAOs and want to sort of bring in the on-chain DAOs into the real world, they freak out, which is actually a little bit uh, confusing. Probably they need more history lessons than than us, because if we think back centuries and centuries, how do people? put together their uh, resources, their time, their strengths. They did it through guilds. They did it through associations. So the origins of of, of dows can be traced back to the Middle Ages when merchants and craftsmen they joined forces together to create guilds. For example, you know, you manufacture a, a really beautiful plate and I manufacture a really beautiful cup, so we form a guild. Uh, and And uh, uh, pull our resources together, protect our interests, look after our warehouse, because, you know, in the middle ages, there were people who wanted to come and take things away from us, um just like today, basically nothing is different. So we would protect our interests, but also maintain high standards of our trade. You know, I make beautiful plates, and I'm so proud of my trade. So I don't want you know somebody making really shitty ones and 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 really sort of like dumping uh, inferior product on the market, and those are medieval beginnings of 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 companies and uh, guilds. And what do we see now? We see now exactly the same. What a DAO, a whole bunch of developers, whole bunch of marketeers, whole bunch of people with different skill coming together, building an enterprise together, or building some sort of. Uh, uh, economic uh, de- uh, um uh, efforts together and 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 that's um that's basically the history right then in um 17th and 18th century we had an emergence of joint stock companies so uh big um uh, uh, shipping companies emerged like dutch east india company from 90 19- from 1602 and also the british east india company in 1600s so these companies gave the rise of shares so you could buy a share in that shipping enterprise Uh, so that was a huge development as well and then like i mentioned in uh, uh, 45 years ago LLCs came together so if we talk about dows i would argue that dows is not a new form of company it's actually we are almost going back to the roots of the humanity how people always interacted you bring something to of the value to the table uh, a person next to me brings something to the value of the table and we build this uh, autonomous organization or associations as we build them in switzerland or guilds guilds are very popular right now let's say gaming guilds and gamify etc etc so um when we talk to uh regulators um i start with this history lesson and then their eyes open and go oh okay fantastic so you're basically just starting to replicate what humans have been doing for centuries and centuries so we should not be shocked by that that is right but um, but uh, however we still have laws and regulations in each jurisdiction blockchain doesn't have borders but countries have borders in Each country has its own rules and regulations that we are all subject to whether we like it or not. So, um, and that is why there's so many legal challenges for DAOs, for on-chain DAOs. Uh, And those challenges are plenty. Um, Taras mentioned some of them, like uh, protecting the interests of the DAO members. There were several cases um, uh, in, in the US mainly, that the DAO members were held personally liable for the actions of the DAO. And this is what you don't want. If you're a member of a DAO, you want to contribute to the DAO, but you also want to make sure that the regulator will not come up to you and will not take your per- and, and your personal assets are not risked. <coughs> Sorry, Tara, you wanted to mention something? Okay, great. So, yeah, so let's talk. So that was a little five-minute less history lesson, right? And uh, and I always like to joke that the humanity did a whole circle around, right? We, we came back where we started centuries ago. And this is, in my opinion, is how our kids will engage in work. They will not go to the office. They will not work for someone. They will be part of multiple DAOs, because why not? You can contribute to multiple efforts, multiple enterprises. But back to the legal challenges, of course, uh, the regulatory compliance is a huge one. Uh, For example, just today, SEC brought action against um, Binance and CZ for uh, regulatory failures. I have not looked into that in details, but this is what you don't want to be. You don't want to be sued by SEC. I litigated against SEC uh, when I was in the oil and gas sector. They... um, They sued my client and we fought against SEC and DOJ for seven years. And this is what you don't want because fighting SEC and DOJ, that's, you know, huge resources are required and you don't want that. So, uh, like I mentioned, uh, DAOs operate across borders. However, Within each border of each jurisdiction, there is own uh, regulatory sort of laws and and, and and regulations you have to comply with. That's why if you have a legal rapper established in a, in one jurisdiction, you can you need to comply with the uh, uh, with the laws of that particular jurisdiction. That's why a um, legal rappers need to be set up in a friendly country, and Switzerland is one of the friendly countries at the moment, uh, and has been uh, for since uh, quite early 2016, 17. Um, Another thing is the legal um, entity status. For example, um, like Taras mentioned, if somebody breached um, a grant contract, how will you go after this uh, entity or person or group of people? You can't. or Actually, even from the beginning, how do you enter into contract to give that grant to start with? How do you enforce that contract? How do you then uh, try to uh, um, uh, make sure that the other party is performing, which is quite important. And um, you can't do it in your personal name and every member of the DAO cannot sign it personally. That would be you know, a, a nightmare to manage. Um, another area is um, the um, sort of uh, compliance with various KYC, AML, and all the other procedures that come up. Because uh, whether we like it or not, we need to operate. I understand we're on-chain and it's... uh, But we still need to operate within the remit of the laws. Intellectual property rights. You might invent the most amazing protocol uh, capabilities tomorrow. So you'll have to protect that uh, to the point, to to the extent possible. For example, of course, I understand in blockchain we have open source. Uh, protocols mainly which is great that's why I love our industry Uh, but however there are uh, a lot of uh, uh, DAOs that might want to protect their proprietary um, inventions so if you look on the balance of probabilities uh, uh, creating a legal wrapper that works protects the interests of every member of a DAO but also allows the DAO to interact with the real world Pay taxes, even if a little bit, we might still have to pay taxes somewhere uh, uh, and claim home, right? You claim a a home, Switzerland is, for example, Switzerland is my home, is my jurisdiction, I'm here, I'm compliant with the current laws, and no government can, uh, um, well, that's not true. Other governments, it will be harder for them to go after you if you already have a home because if you don't have a home, then it's uh, anybody can go, come after you and claim that they have jurisdiction over you. So if, if we look at it, uh, um, proper legal structuring has only benefits. Yes, we need to spend some time structuring, uh, but I don't see uh, negatives in that.
0: That's super fascinating. I'm thinking you were talking about guilds, and it's funny how it's coming back to guilds. I can think of, you know, Raid Gildow, for example, that's definitely along those lines. And totally makes sense. Uh, I wonder, uh, you know, with smart contracts obviously being code that, that acts as law, that acts as a uh, sort of enforcement. But of course, in real world, like you mentioned, it needs to be reinforced somehow. So uh, I'm guessing, do they work well together? Have you found uh, the smart contract on the coding side and the specific jurisdiction of, let's say, Switzerland in this case? where the law uh, looks at the code, looks at the smart contracts, and then of course at the whatever jurisdiction the DAO is registered in, and that kind of forms the basis of the adjudication of disputes, et cetera.
2: Um, so we're mixing a couple of things together. Uh, we need to separate them. The on-chain DAO and the smart contract and the voting and the uh, uh, things that are happening on, in the on-chain world they work together with a real uh, um, a real world um, legal entity, but they don't necessarily completely you know, gobble up each other or intertwine, they work together in parallel. So, um, and that's why I like association, uh, which Taras has mentioned. Um, it's a very flexible legal entity. In the charter of the association, the association has the right to write up how they want to govern, which smart contract governs uh, the also changes to the smart contracts. Like, for example, you might want to introduce additional um, to the governance uh, um, within your DAO. So it's a very flexible. So it's not restrictive, but at the same time provides with a limited liability to the members, provides with uh, certainty uh, with regards to interactions with the real world. But it's not restricting you, it's not telling you, well, if you chose this Way that's how you have to do it for the rest of the world, um, and the associations is the logical um, logical development of those guilds of those trading associations, right? People go together, people are working together, things can change, things can improve. And the good thing about associations, the members can vote. Hey, we don't like how things are done now. We want to make changes to our uh, charter of our association. We want to implement new provisions. So it's uh, it's basically yours, right? They're not two different things. Uh, the, 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 the legal wrapper belongs to the DAO, and the DAO makes the decisions uh, um, governing which way it goes, left, right, center. And how many jumps they have to do before certain happens. That's that's the beautiful part of it. There are other type of legal wrappers available, and, but they're not flexible at all. Um, however, uh, not only they're not flexible, but I think Taras has mentioned the uh, regulators are penetrating those wrappers and and bringing action against DAOs. That's again, that's what you don't want either. You want to be flexible, but you also want to be protected.
0: That totally makes sense, and it does sound like the association is a form that's very um, compatible with the DAO, very similar to the DAO, though you mentioned specifically Switzerland right in the the proposal to us, what makes Switzerland the the best, Switzerland associations the best? Is it just the the history of Switzerland, the liberal policy of Switzerland, is there something specific? I know nothing about Switzerland other than the the most basic stereotypes, so I'd love to hear uh, your expert opinion on it.
1: And yeah, my my personal opinion here is, you know, uh, there are many many points uh, which makes uh, which makes Switzerland very attractive for for blockchain business for Web three projects. Uh, for example, if you uh, look at uh, the list of the biggest, uh, you know, Web three projects as well now, you know, I suppose the majority from them including. Uh, Ethereum, including Polkadot, including NIR, you know, have established their legal wrappers in Swiss. This is first of all, and this is, you know, I suppose, uh, the biggest plus of Switzerland, best practices, very strong best practices. The second one is Switzerland is very, you know, uh, and I suppose the most reputable jurisdiction from the other where we could uh, establish legal wrapper for example I have considered uh, Cayman Islands I have considered uh I have considered uh, Panama uh, and this is not uh you know what we want in Dixie I suppose this offshore rate jurisdictions and I don't think that we want to connect our project to, uh, offshore jurisdictions. And they serve my point here, uh, as Irina mentioned, I suppose that as for now, um, regulatory authorities of Switzerland give, uh, give us, you know, uh, protection from, uh, you know, from the regulatory authorities of the other countries. And, uh, on the other hand, you know, um, uh, the form of Swiss association gives us, I suppose, the maximum extent of flexibility, uh, and taking into account our, I suppose, complicated on chain governance model. Uh, I think that no jurisdiction could be used in our case, except for Switzerland, because in Switzerland, we could. I suppose, reflect almost all, uh, you know, features uh, of our on-chain governance in constitutional docu- documents of legal entity, something like this.
0: And Irina, as the as a legal expert, too, I'm sure knows Switzerland well, what do you think, do you agree that it's it's really good restriction and makes sense?
2: Well, um, it's, it's easy for me to... Uh, talk very positive about Switzerland. I um, have, uh, you know, I spend half of my time in Switzerland, the other half we're talking Dubai. So, of course, uh, I will only mention uh, awesome, fantastic things, but also objectively, that's that's the situation uh, with um, with the horrid stories we see coming out of other jurisdictions where the regulators basically don't tell you what to do, don't tell you how to do, but after you've done it, they come and uh, sue you. That's called um, regulation by enforcement. This is what you don't want. This is horrible. You don't want that as a lawyer. You don't want that as a as a founder. Eventually you're building something, and you try to talk to the regulator, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, just continue." But you're halfway there, and, and then they come and uh, sue you for the way you've built. That's that's what you don't want, and that's what Switzerland doesn't do. Finma, uh the regulator is a very proactive regulator. You can uh, ask them specific questions. You can send them a specific request, They will answer. Yes, they take a while, but everything takes a while. In Switzerland, we are in no hurry. We're very relaxed sort of atmosphere. But uh, you can engage with the regulator. You get um, no action letters. Uh, you get confirmations that it is uh, always hunky-dory. Please continue. And also, once you've claimed, um, and uh, uh, that's one thing. Another thing as Teraz mentioned, it's great to be in great company because you are the summary of you know, five people you spend your time with, right? So why would you want to set up in some uh, pl- strange places where you can set up in Swiss Crypto Valley, literally next door to Ethereum, literally next door to Tezos, Cardano, um, uh, Casper and other sort of uh, large uh, protocols. Um, near I think uh, yes near is in Switzerland as well so uh, you want to be in company uh, where uh, in great company where innovation is taking place you want to be rubbing shoulders with you know big boys so you can aspire to develop you know um, I know Dixie has uh, really big plans so that's that's what you want that's where you want to be right and another thing is, is it gives you this regulatory certainty. You've established a home for yourself. This is my home. You comply with the rules and regulations of your home. So other uh, um, hostile uh, um, regulators or hostile uh, players in the industry uh, w- would not want to come uh, after you because then they have plenty of others to come after who either don't have a home or have a home in a, a questionable place it's easier to go after those people than go after people who have done everything to protect themselves uh, you go basically after after low hanging fruits the ones are easy to um to to pick right uh, why go after a project that have done that has done everything possible to protect itself like that's just uh, not very not very that would not be smart of them And that's my view. And of course, Switzerland um, has its own uh, negatives, you know, things takes a little bit longer. Uh, In Dubai, for example, it takes, you know, five days to establish a company in Switzerland. It might take two weeks. But um, uh, another thing is we've got great banking here. There are a lot of crypto native banks. So opening a bank account uh, in the UAE for a crypto company is almost impossible, whereas in Switzerland, it's not only possible, but we're doing it every day. And uh, a lot of um, uh, and also being set up in tier one jurisdiction, not in some great jurisdiction, gives great possibility for you to enter into various partnerships and contracts with other reputable parties who are building in this reputable space. Look, I'm not saying if you're not set up correctly or if you're set up in a in a jurisdiction which is a little bit. Uh, a little bit uh, uh, off the beaten track. I'm not saying you're not ret- uh, reputable. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, uh, if you've done everything possible to be as reputable as possible, you no, know, that's the people that's the people you attract, and that's the partners you attract, and it's the people and partners you want to attract and be associated with, in my opinion.
0: That totally makes sense. It's that uh, you do attract. And better people and, and less attacks uh, if you really put in the work and establish yourself in a good jurisdiction. And so, something really sounds amazing from everything you just said about how it creates a total environment for uh, for crypto companies to thrive, for um, people in crypto to do everything from banking to networking uh, to obviously building a Uh Speaking of building a DAO, Taras. Uh, Let's get into the proposal a bit more. Of course, there's going to be you proposed a specific governance model, and uh, it would be really good. I think I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, DexiDAO members listening in now, and then to listen on uh, on the recording as well for them to understand it more as they go and read the proposal. Can you talk a bit about that future governance model? You know how it's going to work, uh, assuming that the proposal gets approved as is, and of course. Uh, for all the members listening, the whole point of putting a proposal up is that you can go, you can comment, you can suggest things to make the proposal even better. This is definitely a community effort.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Uh, so as, as for now, proposal, uh, contain a very few words, I suppose, with respect to future governance model, but, uh, my understanding personally, my understanding about in <coughs> future governance model and I suppose that Irina uh, will agree with me that um, this Swiss association should be uh solely ministerial structure I mean that this Swiss association should act only and strictly in, a, in a accordance with decisions of the uh, DAO and this one of the you know points uh, to consider when I, uh, have chosen this Swiss one, because, uh, Swiss legal model and Swiss regulations gives us possibility to, uh, establish such model in, uh, constitutional documents of Swiss association. So I suppose that, uh, governance law will look like as, for example, uh, DAO make decision and only in the frames of these decisions, uh, for example, council members could make some agreements. For example, DAO makes decision to, uh, allocate 100,000 of Dixie tokens for grants. Okay. No problem. Uh, in such a case, council member, uh, should make the agreements with prescribed by the decision of the DAO legal entity to which DAO wants to give this grant. Uh, and that's all, that's all from my side. So, uh, council member, uh, members should not have, uh, their own discretion. This is, you know, it's it, it my opinion. And, uh, I suppose that we will try to, uh, reflect these in, uh, in constitutional documents and we will, and we should try uh, to reflect in c- constitutional documents that in case the, uh, council member breaches, for example, his or her, uh, responsibilities or, uh, does not act or does the best interest of the DAO, um, DAO should have uh, the right to change this, uh, council member. Therefore, from my point of view, uh, to sum up council members should have only, uh, you know, something like operating functions and should act strictly in accordance with, uh, the decisions of the DAO and that's all. No, you know, freedom to act, no freedom to. Uh, make some transactions without DAO voting and so on and so forth. This is my opinion, personally, as community member.
0: Uh, I see Irina putting up an emoji. Uh, Irina, anything you would like to add? In the, the, the
2: yeah. I'm... I'm I'm giving 100% agree agree agreeance here because that's what the legal wrapper is for, right? The Tao is the head, and the legal wrapper is just executing the decisions of the head and not more. Uh, and uh, the the uh, association model allows for that to happen and allows for the Tao members to um, uh, oversee the execution, right? Like the head will oversee the the hands, which is also uh, valuable because you don't want you don't want the council members to go rogue on you and start um, doing other things which has happened actually and uh, the prior legal structure used for for uh, protocols was a foundation and unfortunately it did happen and there are various um cases uh between the um, the founders of the foundation and those people who are running the foundation, they're actually like legal cases. Um, I think Tezos is one of them. You can Google it. It's publicly available information. Um, so, And that's why um, we are retired the use of the foundation structure here in Switzerland. And we're using the association structure, which is more flexible, gives the DAO more ownership over the legal wrapper and also the people who are... Uh, The council members executing the 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 decisions and the will of the DAO, if 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 um, if I may uh, describe it in such a manner, and it so yeah, that's that was the one hundred percent emoji there, uh, full full agreement.
0: I think that's as good as endorsements can possibly go (laughs) with hundred percent. That's amazing. Uh, Just a real quick um, pause to remind everyone listening uh, or, you know, in our chat that, um, we're definitely open for questions. This is an AMA format. So, uh, anybody just pop in the question, raise a hand, uh, and I'll be sure to call on you so that Irina know Taras they're if questions for, uh, can answer them. Uh, we still have some time for that. And I think that makes the discussion, uh, even more dynamic and of course more true to the DAO form. So just raise a hand if you want to ask a question. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I was just, as I was listening to both Taras and Irina, I was thinking how, you know, DAOs are, and governance in general, uh, revolves so much about treasury management, about the funds, right? Show me the money kind of thing where the money really um, votes and so much is done with the treasury. And of course, also with the council members, uh, how, how the council members... Uh, compensated? How, uh, Taras do you propose that the structure in a way that doesn't get them, I guess, corrupted and make sure their incentives are aligned? And just in in general, how, um, in your proposal, is um, the treasury spent by both the Dow and the Association? Uh, what mechanics are, are you seeing? Not to get too deep into it, but just some kind of general top level.
1: Yeah, thank you for your question. I suppose, you know that uh taking into account the nature of the uh, the nature of the swiss association Uh, swiss association is non-for-profit uh structure i suppose that compensation should be minimal because uh community member who works on uh who works in in council uh who works as council member should understand that um You know, he or she works on whole and very, very big and interesting community. And I suppose that this is the biggest, uh, you know, compensation, but once again, I suppose that the best choice here will be to, uh, make, to review the market and make the minimal compensation for such kinds of of organizations, I, I I suppose that we will have, uh, we will have additional information in that regard in the future, and I will share with with community this in in new proposal, for example, or on the forum.
0: Uh, and then, uh, can you talk about some samples of how the treasury would be used in your vision, right? Uh, just. Practical examples, you know. Let's say I have hundred k in the treasury that I want to distribute for some governance initiative uh, as as a DAO member, right? And I want to make a proposal, and I know that there is an actual association and and these council members. Um, how would I start? What would I consider? What are some additional things to consider with the um, off chain association part of it? Uh, and just kind of walk me through uh, as if I'm a DAO member who knows very little, who wants to make sure it doesn't get confused, who knows that now there's a legal part to it as well to the as the DAO part and wants to um, let's say spend uh, 100k on a marketing initiative, let's
1: say. Yeah, okay, thank you. So once again from my understanding and from my point of view, uh, you know, council members should have no Connection to uh, treasury management and to transfer council member. The role of council member is is to make the relevant agreement when there is the decision of the DAO to allocate some amount of assets is in place. The four. uh, The first step is, for example, I as I am as a community member or someone else. From our community, propose some, uh, for example, some allocation for once again marketing or for some conference. Uh, we are wo- well, we are wo- voting for uh, for this proposal for or against, and if this proposal is agreed between the community, in this point, the council member could make the relevant agreement. And I suppose once again that the relevant transfer should be made by the DAO directly uh, by means of Multisig as a result of DAO voting. Therefore, there is no connection between Treasury, you no know, direct connection between Treasury management and DAO Council. The role of DAO cons- uh, sorry, uh, Council, sorry, Legal Rapper Council member is to make the relevant agreement and uh, to uh, make the relevant relations legally binding. But our role as comu- uh, as a community to uh, vote for some uh, allocation or transfer of assets and to uh, initiate this transfer by means of uh, my means of agreement on on the relevant proposal. something like this. this is from my point of view.
0: Totally makes sense. Uh, just to ship gears a little bit, I just ha- had a question in my mind about for arena um, because you know in the news there's all these things about um, Dallas being accused of or the crypto being accused of in general but people who don't know better being just money laundering or a bunch of other things. Uh, that are not true for the majority of of the blockchain industry. Uh, Can you talk a bit about how the legal framework of especially a reputable country like Switzerland uh, does not, you know, give cover for legal activities but maybe on the other, like quite the opposite, uh, gives legitimacy to legitimate projects that are pursuing legal, legitimate uh, tasks or, you know, organizational tasks and, and how it's, you know, legal for, for legal things and legal pursuits and and not, um, not rewarding bad actors by giving them cover or anything like that. Right.
2: So, um, there's several things here to unpack your question. Um, it has been proven over and over again that cash, fiat, US dollars is used for money laundering and only less than 1% of crypto is used for money laundering. And it's, but of course, um, the 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 hater's gonna hate. Nothing you can do about it. So um, that is being used against crypto. That oh, crypto is used by, uh, used by criminals and it's for money laundering. And we're in the year 2023. When I went into crypto full time in 2016, and I was the general counsel of a very reputable um, corporation called Maersk, the largest shipping group in the world, so that people said, you know, what are you doing? You're going into this Bitcoin space, only the drug money is there. And, you know, horrible, horrible things people were saying, and people are still saying that. I mean, so uh, people are saying this to me for, what, almost eight years now. And you know what? Uh, Haters gonna hate. But it has been proven over and over again that it's not the case. Now, uh, in the situations where it is the case, let's look at that 1%, right? Yes, uh, some uh, dodgy, for the lack of a better term, uh, centralized exchanges are set up on some coconut islands with little or no oversight, right? Like FTX, perfect example. But FTX was, you know, a full-on uh illegitimate enterprise from from day one right so um you uh, in in your case you're not planning to be handling user funds you're not uh interacting with fiat on ramps you're not doing the payments so in your case being accused of money laundering or some other illegitimate activities it's i mean you really have to try really really hard in order to be accused of that because i don't even see how you can how you can master that um, physically. Uh, and then being set up in a reputable tier one jurisdiction with uh, various, you know, uh, um, checks and balances in place. I mean, as, a, as association, the, the council members of associations will have to file the reports, will have to file with the authorities and uh, being I mean, the, the filing um, obligations are not very extensive, but there is some still, there are still some checks and balances in place. And um, so there's even lesser chance of being accused of uh, various um, uh, illegitimate activities. Um, so, but, you know, if you put all this on uh, sort of like if you wrap it all together, um, um, being in tier one jurisdiction, of course, it helps. Of course, it's, uh, it's you know, it gives you that credibility, as we discussed before, and you're also rubbing shoulders with other credible projects and, uh, you know, opening a bank account with a very cre- uh, reputable crypto bank that gives, you know, additional um, securities there for everyone But no, you're not engaging in any money laundering because you know your bank will just will literally not allow for that to happen so if you put all these things uh stack those things on top of each other you you have you know this really nice uh a stack which protects you so nobody can accuse you of such activities even if they wanted to uh, but again uh hate is gonna hate there's always uh um uh, somebody out there who wants to come up with a with all sorts of ridiculous, uh, ridiculous arguments, and you, but you'll have the law on your side and you'll have the facts on your side. So it's it will be very hard to um, to uh, to discredit you if you have both the facts and the law on your side.
0: It's definitely good to have the law on your side, and and it's clear, you know, from everything you're saying that it's not just a rubber stamp or anything like that, that it's legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, tier one, uh, legitimate legal structure that uh, that requires work and requires proof of, of being compliant. And that's definitely encouraging because just thinking as a DAO member myself, right, going into a DAO, I don't know uh, if it's fraudulent. I don't know uh, what's happening, right, until I do. And seeing that, the team or, or the members uh, have gone through the trouble of getting legitimate. Uh,
2: oh, oh, that's actually a very good point, right? Um, how why would I decide to join this DAO if it's completely unstructured? It's uh, completely haven't thought about protecting me as a member. So that's a very good point. Why would I be joining that DAO? But if that DAO did everything possible to protect me as a future member, structure properly, that it shows to me that this DAO has the ducks in the row and me contributing my time, my talent, my money here, you know, because I'll have to buy governance tokens, right? It shows to it 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 proves to show that, you know, this is the DAO I want to be involved with. That's a slightly different point from money laundering, but it's a very, I think, very important point. Another important point is the following: your um uh, um your protocol is there to allow other DAOs to build on-chain DAOs, so you should be the one leading the the the, the charge and leading uh, um in being properly legally set up because then you can give them examples of how to do that properly, right? So you are here to service other DAOs or help other DAOs with on-chain um on-chain governance and on-chain setup and then uh, imagine if you don't have your ducks in the row that will not look very uh, credible why would i be trusting my own chain governance to the guys who haven't thought about protecting themselves first so i think either way you look at it uh, uh, getting your ducks in the row has only the positives uh, and um, and no negatives and of course being a lawyer i always think of the worst case scenario i think uh, i think uh, of the regulat of the regulatory action by a very hostile regulator, I think of um, uh, being, you know, funded and accused of all sorts of really, you know, horrible things in life. So I think of the worst case scenario, and then we'll try to protect uh, uh, the client from those worst case scenarios. And you know, if we're lucky, not even fifty percent of them uh, take place. But we have to structure for the for the. Um, for the worst situation, because then if it doesn't happen, that's great. You're protected. But if it does happen, well, that's great. You're protected as well.
0: That's brilliant. That's actually why it's so good to have you here, you know, as, as an actual attorney to understand this and thinks of the worst case scenario. Because as a down member, you know, I, I'm a true believer. I'm thinking it's always going to go great. Everything's going to be wonderful. There's gonna be no issues. And- just like, you know, uh, there are audits for the code, there's uh, all these technical security experts trying to probe every possible leak and worst case scenario of any tiny thing that could go wrong. It's good to have lawyers and, and just DAO members for that matter who are thinking about these worst case scenarios and designing systems that prevent that. And it's definitely good to prepare for worst case in order to not have it. Uh, so I appreciate that as a, as a doubt member. Uh, I see we have a request to ask a question from Roman. Let's hear Roman out. Uh, okay, let's see. You should join now. Okay, Roman, uh, if you can uh, speak, please ask a question.
1: Yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say thanks to both of you. Of course, uh, it was really interesting, uh, but I want to s- speak more about the Council. Um, actually, I want to ask, can these members protect, uh, like, against hacks in DAOs? Uh, I mean, uh, can they protect the DAO from cyber attacks or uh, it's just about enough chain execution? Uh, and and how big is their influence and power?
2: Who is Who was this question for? I think Taras would be... Uh, best positions because, uh, he knows the DAO from the inside out.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hello, Roman. Roman, hello. Thank you for your question. I suppose that, uh, we should switch off-chain mechanism only in case we need, uh, you know, off-chain performance on some decisions. I suppose that Haken, uh, this is more about technical side and once again, uh, there is, you know, no points to uh, to switch council members and DAO legal wrapper in this case. But uh, if we talking about, for example, uh, protecting uh, members of the DAO, yes, for example, in California, I have reviewed uh, yesterday the decision of the court of California where there were some, you know, uh, claims from uh, from DAO members to the other DAO members about hacking and stealing assets. And in such a case, uh, you know, uh, plain community members are protected, but because such claims will be directed to DAO legal wrapper, but not the community member, once again, not to council members, but DAO legal wrapper as distinct legal entity. Something like this.
0: Irina, would you like to add anything to that? Not that you have to, but if you
2: No, no, I concur. Um, uh, mixing these two things up uh, is, is not very, um you know. They kind of do like don't come from each other so the uh the real world execution is one and the protection of the of the of the protocol is another but then if you protect the protocol you found the culprits you found the uh, hostile party that tried to attack uh you in some way or another that's when the re- uh, real world um legal rapper comes in to sort of bring action against those hostile parties uh you know that's so. It's,
0: works together in hand-by-hand. Um, um, hand. Awesome. Um, I'm seeing that we're reaching an hour. So to respect both of your times, I want to, you know, start to wrap this up a bit. I have a question. Well, I get a similar question, but I'll ask it separately. So for Taras, let me ask you first, um, for everyone who maybe just tuned in or, um, or was listening to the recording and will hear just this part. Can you kind of give a TLDR, just a really, really short, short summary version of the proposal and why it's important for the it out?
1: Yeah, sure. Once again, I suppose that uh, taking into account the regulatory pressure and uh, the point of development of our community, I suppose that we were in need uh, legal wrapper, DAO legal wrapper, which from one hand, will protect community member and make their liability limited. And from the other hand, uh, community as, you know, the whole will have uh, off-chain mechanism to perform its decisions and to protect uh, its rights in case of breach of some, you know, uh, legally binding relations by third parties against the community, something like this. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really good way to sum it up. And for Reena, kind of sum up question or maybe last follow up question, um, since this is about, this whole uh, talk today is about legal strategies for DAOs, uh, would you say that, you know, for DAOs were able to do it, uh, you rec- your main recommendation in general is to uh, form an association in Switzerland um, and you know give a certain amount of time to account for processes taken a bit longer in Switzerland uh, or any other tips kind of quick tips that you want to give to DAOs or create a legal strategy of this is how you get started these are the main things you want to consider
2: So I don't think there is one jurisdiction that will fit everyone, that's for sure, because um, um, every, you know, a typical lawyer will say it depends, because it does depend, it really depends what the DAO is doing. If the DAO is doing some uh, DeFi staking protocols, then the Swiss regulator will not like it very much, because that really goes into the regulated area. In such a case, other options need to be looked at. But for what Dixie is doing is a perfect jurisdiction, in my opinion. uh, Again, you're a uh, uh, technology-focused entity. You are building on-chain governance and on-chain sort of like a DAO constructor for other DAOs. This is is a great um, tech sort of uh, use case for what you're doing, and in such a case, Switzerland is a great jurisdiction. I cannot give advice to every other DAO because I do not know what they do or what they're planning to do. But the advi- uh, oh in regards to the jurisdiction, but the advice will be in general. You know, think about uh, several things. You know, just Taras just mentioned, right? Think about protecting yourself as founders and your members as uh, as the members of your DAO because DAO without members, it's 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 nothing. Think about how you're planning to run that decentralization part, because a DAO without decentralization is just an OW, which is nothing. Um, think about how you're planning to interact with the real world. Uh, how will you portray that credibility and that you know tier one um, sort of uh, gist of your project if you set up in a in a slightly questionable place, or you not set up? Are you going to portray that authority? Are you going to portray that thought leadership? Maybe not. However, I do not know, uh, you know, maybe in some particular cases uh, it will work. So um, everything, so so each project needs to be considered um, separately, but in general, these are, you know, two, three, four things to think about. How are you planning to decentralize? how you're planning to protect yourself and your members, how you're planning to issue the token, because it's very important to issue that in a compliant manner as well, uh, which which place you will call home, uh, and that home needs to be strong enough to protect you from hostile regulators trying to assert their jurisdiction over you, and also the the, the credibility of, um, of your establishment. It needs to be credible for other credible partners to engage with you for credible members to become part of your DAO. Um, so it's quite um, it's a more of a commercial sort of consideration, commercial slash technical, and then legal conclusion comes from that. Because uh, from the legal point of view, there are so many ways to skin a cat. Uh, however, you need to sort of like start from the very beginning. You know, where's the cat that we're trying to skin? <laughs> once we found the cat, once we found the cat, then we can try uh, skin it in a proper manner.
0: Thanks, Irina. I, I was definitely asking for uh asking an attorney to give a simple, <laughs> one-size-fits-all answer. And, and you definitely gave a very comprehensive explanation that I think any doubt uh, would benefit from. And like you said, a doubt should be a doubt, not a owl. So I think a lot of listeners will take that to heart. I will hope so. Um, so I just want to thank both of you guys for coming today. And let's wrap it up here. But uh, you've answered a lot of questions from our community today. And uh, just amazing to see uh, regular DAO members coming in and, and coming up with these very nuanced, very thoughtful proposals. And of course, uh, with the crypto-native expert attorneys also coming in and, and explaining these things. So it's, it's a little more digestible. Uh, because ultimately, uh, the whole idea to me of of DAOs is that anybody can participate fully, and once people understand all the different aspects, including legal aspects, I think it really helps DAO members participate more fully to understand their DAO more fully. And i as one of those members, uh, happy to now be more aware of what legal considerations, legal strategies are available and should be thought about. I'm going to be probably spending the next hour honestly just kind of. Replaying it, thinking it. Luckily, this will be recorded. This is recorded, actually. So, and thank you, Rina. Thank you to us. Thank you both. Thank you, everyone who listened to us today. Uh, stay tuned for announcements of the next one. Uh, just really, you know, you answered both. the answers so much. Uh, a million thanks to both of you. Um, and uh, until next time.
2: Thank you very much for having me, and thank you very much for for the space, um, really appreciate your time. Thank,
1: Thank you everyone. Thank you for attention to
0: my proposal.